if you were here last week, uh, don't worry. I'm not going to pre- I'm not going to preach the same sermon. It's going to be something different. Uh, but there's a reason why we're doing uh, the same passage. If you remember from last week, um, you know, last week we talked about uh, this this guy named Jonah, right? And uh, just for a quick recap, he was this prophet called by God, and he was actually doing really well, right? Because he was the leader of. Israel at that time, and he was guiding them into victory after victory after victory. And yet, when God asked him to preach to the Ninevites, Jonah runs away. Because for Jonah, he had this idol in his heart. You see, he had this idol of success and of victory, and he wanted it so much to the point where he wanted it more than he wanted God. And because of this, Jonah runs away. And yet, in the midst of that, God calls him back, and finally, he ends up in the belly of a fish. Right? Now, we went through all of that. We went through the whole overview. But for this week in particular, there was something that I want to focus on today. That would be that would have been honestly too much to focus on last week. And it's the storm. It's the storm. Because. As we look at this passage, God uses this storm in order to do something in Jonah's life that he didn't expect and that he didn't want, but was essential to his life. So, what I want us to do is look at two things today: why the storm was necessary for Jonah's calling, and number two, what the response was to the storm. That's it. Now, verse four. Let's read together. It says that God brought a great wind and a mighty tempest. And what we read here is that it just wasn't a normal storm because you see the sailors. It says that they were so afraid that they were calling out to their own gods. And this time, storms weren't unusual for sailors. You know, many of them they grew up on the water. They were, these these jobs were passed down from father to son, and so they knew that storms were a part of the sea. They knew that storms were a part of of fishing, of of all of those different things. But here, at the same time, they knew this storm was different because it was unlike any other. In fact, it says they knew that this storm was going to kill them. But here's the thing that we know. We know that this storm wasn't meant to kill Jonah; it was meant to bring failure so that he could fulfill his calling. Let me explain what I mean by that. Jonah was given a very specific calling by God to preach to the Ninevites. You see, there was one thing that he was supposed to preach more than anything else, because before that he was preaching victory, he was preaching judgment, he was doing all these different things, and he was really good at it. That he was the prophet who would call down judgment, call down fire upon these other cities, and when the cities didn't listen, that's when God would come in and they would destroy them. And yet, in this one moment here, in this one city, he was called to preach something very different. He was called to preach grace. And yet, for Jonah, for Jonah, he knew nothing about grace. For Jonah, he was called to do something that he was not equipped to do. You know what we learned last week is that Jonah ran away not because he was scared, but because he was angry. He was angry that God would forgive a people 
that were so against him, and he was angry that God would save a people that he hated. And the reason why Jonah hated them was because he didn't fully understand grace, because he didn't fully understand the gospel. I mean, that's what grace is. What grace is that we did nothing to deserve God, and yet he saved us. It wasn't through our actions, it wasn't through our behavior, it wasn't through our past, it wasn't through anything that we have done, it was simply through God's impossible and yet amazing grace that he gave us. For Jonah, he hated Nineveh because he believed that he was better than them. There was this superiority complex that, that Jonah had. And it was because Jonah didn't fully understand fully understand God's grace. And because he didn't fully understand God's grace, there would be no way that he could preach this message. He would have failed in his preaching. He would have failed in his calling to God, and therefore he would not have been able to fulfill his calling. Now, how does that make sense? Because as I was reading through this, it just didn't make sense to me that God would have called Jonah to do something he knew he would have failed in. It was like as if God was setting up Jonah to fail. Because why would God call Jonah into a situation where he knew Jonah wasn't ready and he knew that he would fail at? You see, the only possible explanation is that God knew Jonah had a sin that would only be exposed through failure. Because it wouldn't be until Jonah failed and saw how weak he was that he would see how strong God is. And it wouldn't be until his idols were revealed that Jonah would understand that he even had idols to begin with. And it wasn't until he was at the brink of death that he would finally understand the grace of God. You see, this is absolutely counterintuitive in our lives. Why would God call us to fail? Why would God allow us to fail again and again, even if we're aligned with God's calling? That's the point there. That is what's so strange about this. Because for us, we think, of course we would fail if we're not in God's calling. Of course we would fail if this is the wrong way. And yet what we see is that we can still fail even if God is calling us in a certain direction. That we were meant to fail in order for us to fulfill the calling that God has in our lives. And it's the, it's the reason why is because God's priority is not your situation. God's priority is not your wealth, and it's not even your happiness. God's priority is you. And it doesn't make sense in a lot of ways, but that's why we need to constantly remind ourselves that even in the storms, that God is the God of the storm. You see, Romans 8.28, it says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Now, this is one of the most encouraging verses in the Bible, and yet it takes a lifetime to really understand. Do you trust in God? Do you trust in God? Because do you trust in God even, in, even when you are faithful to him, that he is calling you, that he might be calling you into failure? 
Do you trust that even if God has given you a specific calling, that you are so sure that it's God, that you could be failing not because it's not right, but simply because you failing will lead to God's greater fulfillment in your life? Now that is counterintuitive, but that is simply one thing that God is maybe calling you into here. And that's why this verse is so absolutely strange in a lot of ways, because we can understand, yes, if we are failing, it's because we're not in God's calling, and because we are in sin, because we're doing all these different things wrong, and that's why we're failing, and yet at the same time, God could be calling us into something, and the only way that we could fulfill that calling is if we fail first. And the only way that we will endure that, the only way that we will have happiness through that, the only way that we will have peace in that is if we truly trust in the Lord and we trust in this verse here. Then all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. You see, we think that the calling of God means that all the doors and the windows will open for us, that the easiest road is God's calling on our lives. But in fact, brothers and sisters, there can be times when it is the opposite. For God, he knows your potential better than you know yourself. And at the same time, he knows your idols better than you. And so he will sink you in the depths of the water in order to save you. And there are times when he will sink you to the very depths in order to fulfill the potential and the calling that he has on your life. God's calling on Jonah's life was to fail, but his failure was meant to lead him to his calling. You know, for us though, when storms come, many of us end up reacting like the sailors. In verse 5, it says that the sailors were afraid and they began calling out to their own gods. And in verse 6, it says, because that wasn't working, they began to call out to Jonah's God. And they said, get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. At this time, what we know is that the sailors were polytheistic. In other words, they believed in a lot of different gods. And for them, in this culture, they believed that you could worship any created thing. But it was up to you and, and who you prioritized. So for example, um, if you were a trader, there were times when you would worship the god of commerce. If you were a sailor, you would maybe worship the god of the sea. And if you were a farmer, maybe you would worship the god of the sun. It was to your benefit to worship that God so that that God will bless you. In other words, they worship whatever was, what, that was most important to them and they made it the center of their lives. And for us, today, it's the exact same thing. Because even if we say that we're not religious, we have a God that we're worshiping. There is something in your life, whether it's your job, your spouse, your career or your family that you say gives your life meaning. And I'm talking that this thing is your most important thing. And what we see in this story is that any God of this world is meaningless when the storms comes 
Because when you start sinking, that starts sinking too. You know, they say one reason that anchors are important in storms is because storms are from the top down. You see, they originate from the sky. The waves are the worst on the surface, but as you go deeper, the calmer it is. And you see, what an anchor does is it goes deep enough that it passes through the chaos of the surface, it passes through the peacefulness of the deep waters, and it lands upon the foundation of the seafloor. It doesn't mean that the boat won't shake or move. It doesn't mean that it won't get hindered in a way or, or move a few feet here and there. But it means that no matter what, the foundation is set. That every God in this world, you see, is on the boat. And when the storm comes to break you, because it is on the boat, it will break them as well. But there is only one anchor, and that's Jesus Christ. For a lot of us, we are so anxious and we are so worried because our gods are upon that boat upon which we stand as well. And so whenever winds and waves, whenever storms come, because our surface is hindered so much, because our surface goes back and forth so much, we try to call out to our own gods, and yet those gods are sinking right beside us, and so we can't help but worry and be afraid. And yet the only thing that will stay still, the only thing that will give us security, the only thing that will give us peace is when we put down our anchor upon deep waters. And the deepest water and the only anchor is Jesus Christ. But you see, there's a warning here. Because at this time, a lot of you can think, okay, this is another one of those sermons that, you know, Pastor Daniel preaches and, and is talking about, okay, I have to move away from my idols. I, can, I have to move away from whatever is in my heart and I have, to, I have to go towards God. And so the love that I have for my career, I, I have to stop that. I have to go towards God. The love that I have for, you know, my family, if I prioritize them over God, then I have to go towards God, and, and, and that's kind of what I need to do. And so now I need to read the Bible more, I need to pray more, I need to go to church more, and now that'll be kind of what he means. That's partially true, but there's also a warning there. Because in verse 6, the sailors, they realize the same thing. Because in verse 6, it says that they turned away from their gods and they began worshiping Yahweh. And yet, even though they started to worship God, he does not answer them. You see, on the outside, it looks like they were doing what they were meant to do. They realized their mistake. They turned to Yahweh and they began to call out to him. But we see that God doesn't answer them. Why? Why? They followed the right steps, it seems like. They were doing the right thing. So why wouldn't God honor that? You see, the reason why the sailors believed in the God of the sea was because they believed that if they worshipped it, that it would protect them. The whole point of worshiping the God of the sea was that in cases like this, when storms would come, that because they invested, because they worshiped in that God of the sea, the God of the sea would remember that and protect them. 
The whole point of farmers praying to the God of the sun was because in times of harvest, the sun would come down and it would grow the crops. The point, the reason why traders would pray to the God of commerce was so that that God would give them more money. And in the same way, the reason why they turned to Yahweh was not for any other reason, but simply because they were asking God to protect them. They were trying to bargain with God. And they're putting the same exact expectations and desires and hopes upon him. You see, much of the love that we place upon the idols of this world is based on a give and take, is based on a bargaining. That if I worship you, that if I give you this, then you will protect me. Then you will give me this in return. And yet, that doesn't work for Christianity. That doesn't work for God because of one thing, grace. What it means to be Christian is to live knowing that Jesus is the center of our lives, not because of what we've done, but because everything was already done by him. Bargaining only works when two parties have something they can exchange. What happens when there's nothing that he needs from us? And you see, the sailors at this time, they were trying to bargain with God. They turned away, yes, from their idols, but they came in with the wrong heart. They came in believing, yes, I'm going to worship you, God, if you protect me. I'm going to worship you, God, because I believe that if, you, if I worship you, then you'll give me something. And yet it doesn't work that way. Christianity does not work that way. Because we come into Christianity knowing that God has already forgiven us, knowing that God has already taken care of us, that he already died for us. And so we come in with this gift, this utterly unreasonable gift, knowing that God has already taken care of us. And all we have to do is simply believe in him. And now finally, here, the sailors realize that nothing is working. And so they speak to Jonah. And Jonah says in verse 12, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Now, scholars have deb debated about this, this phrase right here because the meaning is kind of ambiguous. People said that it can either mean that Jonah finally understood his sin, that he understood that he deserved death, and so he was saying, you know what? Throw me into the sea because I deserve to die. I messed up and I deserve to go over and this is God's wrath on my life. This is right for me. Now, the other train of thought that people had was that Jonah, even in the midst of the storm, he was still stubborn. And so the reason why he wanted to be thrown overboard was because he'd rather die than save the people of Nineveh. It's these two different schools of thought, completely opposite of one another. And so the question is, which one is it, right? Is he finally obeying God? Or is he, to the very end, disobeying God? You see, in verse 12, it says, throw me over because you are being hurt because of this. In that moment, it's not really about him. It's not really about Nineveh. At that moment, 
Jonah was looking at the sailors. And he looks at them, not out of hate, not out of pity, but actually out of love. And he says, look, you are going through this. You are probably going to die. So instead of you, I will die for you. So throw me in. And it says that they threw him in and the storm immediately ceased and the sailors were in great fear. Now, what we know about the word fear in the Bible is that it has two different meanings. The first is the one that a lot of us know. It means to be afraid, to be scared. And yet, the other meaning is that it's in awe and in wonder. In this moment here, both meanings are being used. The sailors were in fear of the storm because they thought that in that moment they were going to die. But they were also in awe. And they were in awe for two reasons. They were in awe that Jonah was willing to sacrifice his life for theirs. And they were in awe that God actually accepted that sacrifice. You see, in Matthew 12, Jesus, he is talking to the Pharisees. And the Pharisees, they ask for a sign. Instead of giving them a sign, he just says one thing. He says, look, I am the greater Jonah. For us, we can't help but put ourselves in the shoes of Jonah. And yet, we have to understand that in this moment, we are actually the sailors. We were meant to die. We were meant to be thrown overboard. We were meant to drown, and yet in that most crucial moment, Jesus cries out and he says, no, 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 I'm going to take your place. Storms, they can seem impossibly difficult, but you see, storms will come and go. But in your life, there was only one storm that could truly sink you. And the reason why we can be filled with fear and with awe is because in that moment when we were sinking, Jesus took our place and became Jonah for us, you see. Now, before we close, I just wanted to say something about the storms. Don't be fooled into thinking that storms can only be bad things. There are times when God allows you to have the desires of your heart only to show you how empty those things are. And because we don't see it as a storm, this is where it becomes so dangerous. We are blind to the fact that we are sinking and that we are falling further and further away from God. Church, do not be fooled into thinking that successes are not storms as well. Now, the second thing is that the storm itself is meaningless. You have to understand that. No matter how bad the storm is, no matter how good the storm is, the storm itself is meaningless. God does not send storms simply for you to go through a storm. Your response is what he's looking for. 
The storm doesn't make you wiser. The storm doesn't make you more mature. The storm doesn't make you better. It's your response to the circumstances. It's your response to the failure. It's your response to the success that what God is looking for in that moment. You see, this passage is not about the storm. It's not about the sailors, and it's not even about Jonah. It's about Jesus. For us, we were meant to die, and yet in that moment, there was grace. And there was this impossible, unbelievable grace that saved our lives so that when we die, my brothers and sisters, we actually never truly die because we are with God forever. Amen? Let's pray.